हेलो एवरीबॉडी वेलकम टू आवर पॉडकास्ट गीता मंत्रा फॉर सक्सेस सो टुडे इन दिस पॉडकास्ट वी गोइंग टू टॉक अबाउट भक्ति योगा वी डिड सम रिग्रेस रिसर्च अबाउट भक्ति योगा वी रेड हाउ एंशिएंट फिलोसोफर्स एक्चुअली इंटरप्रेटेड देम वी विल प्रोवाइड हिस्टोरिकल सिग्निफिकेंस ऑफ द कांसेप्ट ऑफ भक्ति इन हिंदुइज्म एंड व्हाई द भगवत गीता सडनली चोस to take a different turn we understand that our stands here and our interpretation might make some people uncomfortable uh, we apologize beforehand that is not the goal we just want to be open minded and transparent and give our understanding of bhakti yoga also i think it is fair to talk about our background our upbringing and our understanding of bhakti that makes sense let's start let me start I was born in Chennai India to a Tamil Brahmin actually an Iyer family my ancestors followed Advaitya philosophy mm. which was advocated by mm-hmm. Adi Shankaracharya mm-hmm. his philosophical thesis was that self realization is the awareness of the self and the universal mm-hmm. this prompted the idea of something called aham brahmasmi mm. which basically means i am brahman this is not the brahman we are thinking about okay. it's not the caste uh-huh. brahman or actually it means the universe within me okay and you know i should be devoted to find that within me mm. right so this is a concept that has influenced my understanding and i read the gita even with this kind of understanding and mm. that makes rational sense to me oh okay and i grew up in kathmandu nepal pashupati or lord shiva has a significant influence on my life in fact i grew up in a culture at least in my inner circle my relatives were not comfortable if you implied krishna or any other god is bigger bigger than uh, shiva i just want to inform the audience that it is against our principle to claim mm. that one particular god is bigger than the other mm-hmm. um, uh, personally even though i've spent years reading the bhagavad gita and i teach gita mm. i never tell my students that they must think krishna or any other god is the only truth uh, that's where i stand makes sense makes sense okay. anyway having said that let's start talking about the path of bhakti that is described or discussed in the bhagavad gita mm-hmm. so deepu how do you want to start well remember in the previous episode we spoke about meditation or dhyana yoga right right but here arjuna says my mind is too restless and too unsteady mm-hmm. i cannot comprehend anything about the state of this mystic peace that you're talking about hmm that makes sense mm-hmm. i mean i think this uh, was too much for arjuna that my interpretation here it sounds like arjuna is looking for excuses excuses not to fight yes <laughs> he does not want or he doesn't have the will to take the responsibility to move on and you know take action so after all these chapters krishna is maybe thinking okay I've tried everything to reason <laughs> with this guy. Now it is time for me to step up and be the boss and basically the god, the boss and say and order him and say because you're not listening to yourself hmm. or to reason, I'm the god, listen to me. But I think Bhagavad Gita is more descriptive about the concept of bhakti. Mm-hmm. Uh it prescribes jnana yoga which is knowledge, right. karma yoga action and bhakti yoga which is devotion as this three essential features for self enlightenment right so i think that's that's how it is now let's understand how krishna inserts the idea of bhakti in bhagavad gita clearly as you said first someone has to be god right Because, so he starts talking about his own divine presence it begins with him saying 
he's present everywhere then he goes one step ahead and he says beyond this i have another higher nature mm-hmm. and it supports the whole universe and is the source of life in all beings i am the source you know okay so he's basically speaking about the universe the brahman or brahmanda so he's saying i am brahmanda so in these three chapters 7 8 9 krishna goes in detail explaining the grandeur of this universe okay. and he is the universe mm-hmm. he is present everywhere but no one can see him mm-hmm. now he introduces the concept of surrendering and the best way to understand the concept of surrender from bhagavad gita context is through the uh, story of draupadi mm. uh, and draupadi's chirharan uh, episode okay. so in mahabharat after the game of dice drop she is brought in the court right? right and now durodhana we spoke about durodhana in episode 2 he orders that draupadi should be di- disrobed in front of all the elders right draupadi tries her best to save herself Makes sense. she argues she debates now remember at that point when draupadi holds up her sari and she prays to krishna mm-hmm. and it is the only way when she lets go entirely and she raises her both hands mm-hmm. and say krishna hey govinda save me i tried all i could now save me and that is an example of surrendering so only then krishna comes mm-hmm. why why didn't krishna come earlier because she surrenders herself completely mm-hmm. she now accepts she has no power to save herself and only krishna can save her and that is how it is being interpreted also the more I understand the concept of surrendering mm-hmm. the more I'm convinced that it is very monotheistic in nature right it almost looks like this was influenced by uh, Christianity or mm-hmm. Islam's monotheistic theology and as you mentioned the concept of bhakti itself mm-hmm. is not very new mm-hmm. but the bhakti moment in the context of socio religious background mm-hmm. it has uh, different connotations okay right and it has to do with some social anomalies in the hindu uh, society mm. you know like uh, the caste system was pretty rigid uh, of course yeah. right mm. uh, there were some rituals which were kind of irrelevant mm-hmm. there were a lot of religious practices for the sake of having practices mm-hmm. and the religion itself was kind of monopolized by uh, the brahmins in mm. this case the caste mm-hmm. and uh, upper caste people mm-hmm. who led a very powerful and corrupt life mm-hmm. right so only the kings and the powerful people and the upper caste people were allowed to go to temples yeah. also don't forget women were not allowed really right now when islam started becoming prominent in india let's say around the 13th century mm-hmm. hindus started noticing its individual characteristics like uh, universal brotherhood absence of any caste system there was no untouchability yeah, yeah. and they were opposed to idol worship and above all they had uh, they had practiced monotheism or oneness of god mm-hmm. just like christianity mm-hmm. right so among all these monotheism or equality of all men appealed a lot to hindu especially the shudras who were on the lower yeah, rung yeah, yeah. of the caste system uh-huh. and they, who were the worst sufferers uh-huh. and they had no religious freedom and mm-hmm. they pretty much had to follow what others told them to mm-hmm. so this new form of hinduism started becoming prominent hinduism 2.0 okay right <laughs> so the bhakti moment uh-huh. aimed at the liberation of people from the monopoly or uh-huh. injustices uh-huh. of the the brahmin or the priestly classes okay <laughs> right that explains 
वाई द भगवद गीता भक्ति योगा पार्ट इज सो मोनोथिस्टिक इन नेचर राइट यू नो यू मेड मी थिंक ऑफ टू इंडिविजुअल्स हुएंस ऑन द भक्ति मूवमेंट इन इंडिया एंड स्पेशली इवन इन द वेस्ट ओके वन इज चैतन्य महाप्रभु एंड द अदर इज मीराबाई नाउ चैतन्य महाप्रभु ही इज नोन एज लॉर्ड चैतन्य इन द वेस्ट ही वॉज बॉर्न इन फोर्टीन एटी सिक्स इन इंडिया and he made the mode of worshiping krishna with this super you know joyous songs and dance very popular so, yeah but again 1486 we talking maybe 500 years yeah, right so yeah yeah and mirabai who was born in 1498 yeah around the same time so, same time she was a rajput woman and she was a hindu mystic poet mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. wrote these hundreds of devotional poems in passionate praise of krishna they played a huge role in the bhakti movement and especially mm-hmm. this idea of singing and dancing and you know enjoying in the name of krishna interestingly obviously both of them came from the same era when india was ruled by the moguls and right. with the rise of muslim power sufism was also on the rise yes uh, mm. which kind of makes sense because there is an influence of sufism in mm. the origin of bhakti movement about the same time mm. sufism had a lot of singing yeah. and you know mm-hmm. monotheistic again mm-hmm. so anyway it it almost sounded like whatever uh, you know buddha did mm. he went through so much pain you know it yeah. he almost died he had to leave his house yeah, his yeah. wife his, his son mm. he had to meditate for a long period of time yeah yeah and after doing all those things and years later as he was teaching mm. then he became buddha on his own yeah right so here krishna is basically saying let's be real mm-hmm. not everybody can do what buddha did then yeah. hey they'll be they yeah, yeah. uh-huh. will be special yeah. you're not going to go renounce yourself go to the jungle you're not going to give up your responsibilities you're mm. going to be part of the society yeah. but do not worry stay here do your job do your dharma do your duties mm. and i will take care of the enlightenment as a gift of grace exactly exactly you so people wanted a simple way to worship they were like give me these five points of what i have to do in my life <laughs> don't give me all this stuff that i don't understand Actually, right arjuna says something similar to that i'm not right. joking exactly. <laughs> right. so this is not a small blog like saying five things you have to do to be happy you know no, that's no, not no. what it is right <laughs> so the paths of gyana yoga uh-huh. or karma yoga uh-huh. are not easy so the alternative for that is bhakti yoga it's a simple way uh, of devotion to get salvation from worldly life yeah yeah uh, but again if you read upanishads and gita there is a clear link okay it is not like i cannot be karma yogi i cannot be gyana yogi you know what let me just start doing hare rama hare krishna and krishna will come and save me save me it's not that easy good <laughs> okay good. but the crucial distinction is that krishna defines himself as a personal god right and he's just adopting the guise of the this theological status of a brahman as revealed in the upanishads right so basically again like we just mentioned i think he's trying to simplify the concept of what is discussed in let's say the sankhya yoga or the upanishads and the exactly. vedas so that arjuna can actually break it down and understand uh, exactly so now i'll give you a very simple example in chapter 6 he speaks about meditation right now arjuna he doesn't understand it. he he doesn't get it mm. so now he is making it simple for him you know he says you know what i am god now set your mind on me and concentrate and arjuna is like oh wow i understand this well, let's mm-hmm. speak about krishna's uh, universal form mm-hmm. so you know arjuna is convinced that krishna is god okay is, he's got actually, there now oh okay. yeah he's the first time where arjuna is actually convinced convinced otherwise okay, he just good. has so many questions but he asks if krishna can show him how he looks 
and krishna agrees now in bhagavad gita we get a description of krishna's universal form from sanjay you know you of remember, course i remember, remember him he can also actually see krishna mm-hmm. because he is the one narrating everything to exactly. dhritarashtra uh-huh uh-huh so now arjuna is absolutely terrified seeing this universal form you know not oh. every average human can take something so awesomely powerful and he asks who are you and krishna in that universal form says i am time of course of course main samay hu that's uh, <laughs> one of another famous uh, dialogue from <laughs> yeah. uh, you know the mahabharat uh, but yeah yeah on. and so i guess like nothing is more powerful than time time has seen everything it has seen the beginning and it is going to see see the end as well right okay so uh, now krishna here has become stephen hawking he's talking <laughs> about time i guess he did not go into the theory of relativity which is fine anyway i don't want to get sidetracked yes he basically shows his roop and when he asks uh, when he's asked who he is he says i'm time yeah but go on so but and also he inserts this idea of god's will here Mm. he is saying whatever happens in your life it is my will mm. without my will nothing is possible if mm. yeah and that's uh, that's there's a problem there because if that's the case then why am i fighting i'm going to die anyway <laughs> let him die you gave this whole speech because you want me to fight and now you're saying everything is your will make up your mind be consistent and that's the problem anyway well well i believe that when people are struggling i've seen people saying it's god's will and i'll accept it now they have hope that's they that's don't positivity. that is positive they don't give up and now that's empowering that is good but i have also seen people not doing anything and saying oh god's will that uh, is negativity so see krishna says you have to be righteous mm. it's not like you can kill people or harm people and then say it's god's will mm. you can't like cheat and rob and then say it's god's will yeah. right mm. but again like you said this concept is a little uh, prone to misinterpretation and it is a little tough for me to comprehend mm. because if everything it's god's will mm. and it has been predetermined mm. then why bother with bhakti in the first place mm. right so if you're saying there's no free will mm. then everything he said in the first six chapters that you should do this about karma and not expecting yeah. all that this there's a lack of consistency here anyway go on so now krishna is in this universal form mm-hmm. but arjuna wants to get back to normal Okay. So he asked Krishna, "Okay, now I know you are God, but how can we be friends? We were friends before, and it was a great relationship. Now I'm scared of you because you are God. <laughs> how can we mortals love someone so massively powerful and inspiring?" Hmm. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> now he has another problem. Like you were, right. we were friends before, now you are God. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So now Krishna is like, you know, Arjuna. I don't want you to remember me as this super powerful uh, universe. Uh you know, that's why we have Krishna Leela which is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, know Krishna as this naughty kid who right. who stole butters, got uh, into trouble. Got into trouble. Makes sense. Uh is so cute. Then Krishna as an adult who killed Kangsa, uh Krishna as Sudhama's friend uh, or Radha's boyfriend. So all these ordinary things that we humans can digest. Yes, it I is relatable. Yeah, he's relatable and that's how Krishna wants us to remember him. Mm. And there's another story when Krishna was very young, 
his mother Yasodhara actually saw the universe inside his mouth. Right, absolutely. And she faints because again she cannot take it. Mm. But when she wakes up, she forgets everything because mm. again Krishna doesn't want to lose that love. He wants to be normal. He wants to be normal, and that is what Krishna wants his devotee to think of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, because Krishna wants them to love him, not fear him. Mm-hmm. So at no point in Gita, Krishna says. If you don't believe I'm God, nasty things will happen to you. That is that is yes. that is. He's there. always stayed on the positive. That yeah, is true. that is there. He's always stayed on the positive side. He's like whatever. If you want to think I'm God, that is fine. If not, that is also fine. It's just that I love my devotees and I speak to them directly. Well, mm. kind of makes sense. So yeah. basically, you know, Krishna is a big celebrity. Has a huge. Uh, fans you can say like on instagram or is a you know with a lot of followers yeah, in yeah. real life yeah. and he's an engaging celebrity he's a very engaging celebrity right he does uh, mm. shows he speaks with his followers mm-hmm. and that's all good mm-hmm. so this reminds me actually of the movie oh my god mm. akshay kumar who's krishna uh. speaks to parish rabal and tells him the same thing in the hospital scene yeah, when yeah, he yeah. says mm. don't fear me me as god i'm not your father but i'm your friend yeah, people he, fear mm-hmm, me because mm-hmm. they misunderstand me but mm-hmm. i'm actually everybody's friend yeah and, yeah and um, instead he's saying hey come sing dance you know dance with me love me love everybody interesting anyway mm-hmm. does arjuna basically ask which is the superior path he he asks which one is easier path okay okay <laughs> and krishna says path of bhakti is the easiest you know kind of and he openly say. says that is so transparent he openly says good, that yeah. like you know people have to go through a lot of problematic paths in yoga is difficult but here i'm asking you to sing kirtan meet like minded people you know there are easy things just pray and uh, yeah. yeah but again here here is the deal krishna is telling my devotees are also detached to the world like karma yogi right they have regulated exercise like meditation that is his ideal devotee that is how he sees that devotee how, should yeah, be should be okay. right and there are a lot of krishna bhakt who are sanyasis sanyasis mm-hmm. prabhu chaitanya was a sanyasi um, mirabai was a so sanyasi so they follow all three they yeah. are karma yogis mm-hmm. they also do uh, dhyana yoga and some meditation and they also have bhakti bhakti yoga but in the name of krishna right. that's the only different right so let me just summarize this episode today As per Krishna, the Krishna devotees and yogis, they are almost identical. Very similar, yeah. right? They are detached from the world, no hankering or hating. Mm. Uh, you know, it could be a yogi or a devotee. Okay. The only difference is Krishna, the God. He is saying, "I have my arms open for everyone." Mm-hmm. It is just that my devotees are priya to me. Priya means beloved. Right. You know, I just love them too much, and I will do anything for them as an act of grace. Mm-hmm. So I guess that is his way of thanking his devotees. So finally, God of Bhagavad Gita is quite different from Brahman from Upanishad. Mm-hmm. Brahman from Upanishad is not a loving power; it's mm-hmm. just powerful entity. Mm-hmm. But Krishna is a very loving deity. Yeah, that's why he wants you to be a friend. Okay, mm-hmm. anyway, that makes sense. You mm-hmm. made me think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, what I see is, if you see Krishna as uh, you know Atman or the universe, mm. whatever he's saying kind of makes sense. He speaks mm. about loving him, which mm. is pretty much loving yourself, mm. which will be the first part of bhakti. Mm-hmm. Now, if you see Krishna as universe, so it's part of everyone, mm. then it also means loving everybody and respecting them, which is the second part of bhakti. Absolutely, it starts with yourself, mm-hmm. and then it. goes to everybody mm-hmm. right anyway i forgot something you had a story about uh, the dog and a priest 
and it was a great story and that actually involved bhakti so maybe you should oh say yeah that. yeah yeah so my father uh, narrated this story when i was a child uh, to explain what bhakti meant um, right, right. so in nepal as i said earlier shiva is is the lord shiva is also very generous to his devotees mm, mm. Uh, so there was a priest and a dog and every day this priest crossed the breeze climbed up the hills and offered milk to the shiva shiva linga right and the dog followed the priest and you know the dog did not have anything to offer so he peed on this linga so this went on for years the the priest offered milk and dog just peed on the same linga okay every day all right <laughs> consistently but one season one year there was a big storm it was dangerous to cross that breeze or climb up the hills you know right. so the priest did not go right. but dog went and peed anyway during the storm he was so committed and devoted <laughs> so he was so devoted to shiva that it did not matter how the weather was mm-hmm. so shiva appears in front of this dog and he is so happy with his devotion and he asks the dog what he wants and our dog is clueless he's like i don't know what i want i just was doing what i was doing hmm. but shiva was like but you still did you were so consistent so that makes you my devotee shiva says you know what let me make you the gatekeeper of yama the god of death hmm. and people nepali people will worship you once a year hmm. so if you google it only in nepal i haven't seen this in india i might be wrong we have a dog day kukur puja Mm. And this is right before Diwali and on Kukur Puja we actually worship dogs. Oh, very nice, very nice. <laughs> yeah, and now that is gift of grace and in in this context a devotion means selfless act. It is a selfless act with so much consistency mm-hmm. without any expectation. Mm-hmm. Even an act of peeing mm-hmm. can be rewarding, yeah, you know, because sense. he was devoted. He was uh, makes know, sense. Makes devo- sense. Yeah. I've so. heard this story many times, mm-hmm. so that's why I remembered. I thought you should say it. Yeah. And that is devotion, and that is bhakti. Again, bhakti has uh, different forms. There's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said in the starting of the podcast, this is a tough topic for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> But having said that. Uh, what we would like to leave you with is believe what you believe mm. and don't judge people for their beliefs and treat everyone with respect that's pretty simple yeah that's simple and uh, yeah we are going to conclude this episode here in the next episode we will speak about and combine the last few chapters of the bhagavad gita and actually summarize the entire gita thank you very much thank you so much